going to pick up uh, where we left off from last week. Uh, super appreciative of Pastor Matt Hearn coming in. I don't know if he calls himself a pastor anymore. Jackson, does your dad call yourself, himself a pastor anymore? No. Well, Matt Hearn came and preached out of uh, Romans 15 for us. Super appreciative. And what he did was pretty much talk about, out of this passage, how Paul speaks of his mission. He speaks of the fact that he actually travels around and preaches the gospel. That's one of the things Paul did. Paul was very active in the early church as someone who took the gospel from his locale, from his place, and actually went to other cities um, and traveled quite a bit to preach the gospel. So in the same way that Paul shared his faith and preached the gospel, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. As Christians, we are people who are supposed to go and take the gospel to where it is not, where people do not know it. So what I wanted to show you from that passage specifically that Matt spoke on was that behind all of that, at the very beginning of Romans 1, there's this radical idea that's shaping what Paul is doing. Paul isn't just doing this because he wants to, because it's comfortable. Paul is doing this because a radical idea is shaping everything that he does. And it's found at the very beginning of the book. It's why he's writing the book of Romans. It's because he believes that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for both the Jew and the Gentile, for everyone who believes. Paul is so wrecked by the gospel. He believes that because this gospel is the power of salvation, not just to specific people, but for everyone who believes, he then takes the gospel and goes. So this isn't just coming out of a vacuum. Like Paul going and, and being on mission, it's not simply something he does. It's very, very critical to what he believes. So the thing that we have to ask ourselves is, do we believe that same thing? Do we believe that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes? Because if we don't, then we'll never be on mission. We will never share the gospel. We'll never share our faith. We'll never be people who go from simply gathering around the gospel, and we'll never become people who scatter with the gospel. Right? We're supposed to gather around the gospel and also scatter with the gospel. Does that make sense? You guys understand what I mean by that? Like, do you take the gospel somewhere? Are you taking the gospel with you outside of these church doors? And what I believe is very, very critical is whether or not we're asking this question, whether or not we believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So that's our opening question in all of this. If we're going to live on mission, we have to ask ourselves this question. Do we really believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes? Do we really believe that? Is that really what we believe about this gospel? Do we believe that what we read about in Scripture and what we see through the person and life of Jesus Christ, do we believe that that's world-changing, life-changing? And if we do, then we'll do something about it. If we don't, then we'll comfortably sit here in our seats. We'll comfortably sit in our churches and continue to be preached at, yelled at, We'll sing some songs, maybe. We'll enjoy some weird trivia thing that no one really understands why we do that. Right? We'll be comfortable. But if this gospel is really salvation for everyone who believes, then we'll have to live on mission. So that's at the beginning of all of this. That's what I wanted to 
center our thoughts around before we jump into the text for tonight. So the text for tonight, um, Romans 15, go ahead and turn there. Um, it's uh, verses 22 through 33. Now I'm, gonna, I'm going to, sh- to teach what this text is saying. I'm going to tell you what Paul's saying here. And then I'm going to take kind of three applications from it and then we'll unpack those. But first, let's kind of read through this and then we'll tackle it kind of section by section, okay? Romans 15, 22 through 33. This is the reason I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Paul is talking to the saints in Rome. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my, on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints." So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Now may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So I'm going to tell you what that text is talking about. There's a little bit of a backstory that might help you understand those things. But, you, but let's just actually, I'm going to back up and I'm going to walk through it a little bit more, okay? So Paul says this reason, the reason would be his ministry to the Gentiles. He's, Paul's been traveling all over the place. He's been literally taking ships and traveling to all these different cities to preach the gospel. And he's saying he wanted to come and see the saints in Rome, the church in Rome, but he's been hindered because he's been so busy doing this. But now, since his work is done doing this, right, you see, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed to come to you for many years, I'm going to try and do it. And he says he's going to do it on his way to Spain, So Paul wanted to go to Spain. Anyone ever hear that? Anyone ever know that Paul was going to Spain? Some people believe that Paul actually made it to Spain and then went up into England. I don't know. It's probably not exactly what happened. But um, shortly after he writes this letter, Paul gets imprisoned, and later he gets executed by a guy named Nero. So I don't think he ever made it to Spain. But his plan here, Paul's plan, was to go to Spain, and on his way, he was going to stop in Rome. But he says, okay, right? He says, okay, so that's my plan. I want to do that. I want to enjoy your company. At present, however, Paul is saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. He says he needs to go back to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem was like the hub of the church, right? That's where the gospel started to explode because of Jesus. And uh, Paul would go on these trips and then come back to Jerusalem for councils. Or in this case, he needs to go back to Jerusalem because some of these churches have given him money to give to poor Christians in Jerusalem. Everyone tracking with me? Right? So Paul says, okay, I want to go visit you in Rome, 
And now I think I can do it on my way to Spain, but first I've got to make a stop in Jerusalem to give some money to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. Make sense? So he says after that, he hopes to um, be in Rome. And then at the very end of the passage, he gives this appeal to the saints' room. And he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to what? Strive together with me in prayer. Prayer. In your prayers. <laughs> Everyone's tracking, right? So Paul gives a little background story of what his plan, his intention are, and then he asks for them to pray for him. That's what this text is, okay? That's what the text is doing. So I think it's really important that you see that. But within this, I think we see three ways that we can engage in missions, right? The question is not whether you are going to engage in in missions, in God's mission. It's not whether you obey the call, but it's how do you do that? How are you going to engage in the mission of God? So I think in this passage, you see three ways to engage in God's mission. I printed out a little thing for you. You can fill in the blanks or something um, if you enjoy doing that type of thing. There's something satisfying about filling in a blank for me. So I don't know if you guys find that same satisfaction, filling in the blanks. Okay, Cooper's with me. Doing this for Coop. All right, so number one, one way for you to engage in God's mission is face-to-face ministry. Face-to-face ministry. And in this passage, what Paul is longing for is for him to come see them. It's for him to actually be face-to-face with them. Right? That's his longing, his desire is to be present with them, to actually be in the flesh with them, face-to-face, in ministry. Right? So that's, that was his desire. So one of the most important ways we can engage in God's mission is by going and traveling away from our home, away from our comfort, and reach the people who have never heard the gospel. Just like Paul, many Christians throughout history have left their homes and gone and served in foreign lands. One of my my favorite missionaries, um, his name was Hudson Taylor. It's actually where we got my son's name idea. His name is Hudson Taylor Terzik. One of my favorite missionaries, Hudson Taylor, he left his home in Britain and he went to the Chinese. Now, the Chinese, there was only about a dozen missionaries, uh, Christian missionaries in China at the time that he went. Like, imagine that, guys. Twelve people. Twelve Christians were in China when he went. He saw that they needed the gospel, so he left his comfort, his religiosity, his church to go to China and spread the gospel. Amazing things happened. By the time he left, there were thousands of Christian missionaries coming out of China. He was a man who totally, radically trusted God. It was amazing. Like, he wouldn't even ask for a paycheck because he trusted that God, through some weird circumstances, would bring him the money. And oftentimes, there's these crazy stories of God providing for him. One of my favorite quotes by him, I wrote it down. You should write this down, too. I love this. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. He was, a, he was a man who radically trusted God. He said, if I'm doing God's work and I'm doing it God's way, then God will supply everything I need to do it. God's work done in God's way will supply, will give God's supply. You'll never lack it. So he left the comfort of his home. There's other amazing missionary stories. If you want to be challenged in your faith, Go and read about a Christian missionary. 
Uh, all these guys that are literally laying their life down for the faith. Matt shared some stories about guys in India just doing some amazing stuff, right? There are people in this room who need to go, leave this comfort, and go and take the gospel to the 7,000 unreached people groups, to the over 3 billion people on this planet who do not have access to the gospel. Some of you will need to go. You'll need to actually go and be a face-to-face person, be in the flesh with these people ministering to them across the globe. Pray about whether or not this is one of the ways God wants to use you to engage in his mission. Do you need to go? Do you need to go and be that person face-to-face, like Paul, like Hudson Taylor, like David Livingston, these people who were so driven by the gospel, they left their home, their comfort and security to go and preach the gospel to people who didn't have access to it. That's one of the ways we engage in mission. Not only that, not only do you need to go to another country, right? But we need to be face-to-face embodiments of the Christian life where we are. What I mean by that is, are you taking the gospel outside of these doors to your school, to your home, to your communities? Are you actually being a real witness to the gospel by how you live and who you are? Paul says that he wants to be with the people that he's ministering to, meaning there's something about being in people's lives as a Christian that will show the light of Christ. If you are simply in true relationship with people and Christ is in you, that is a way of witnessing to them. Guys, we live, I'm, you know, I'm studying up for a big series that we're going to do on technology and social media and all this stuff. And one of the realities that we all live in, and this is kind of a big word, we live in, in dis, no, that's not the word. See, that's the problem with big words. Disincarnated lives. Mean, okay, you guys know what the incarnation was? Carne is the Latin word for flesh. So the incarnation was when Jesus took on flesh, Right? And it's a SAT word for you. Incarnation. Jesus came, he took on flesh. So we live disincarnated lives. We don't live with our true identity always being experienced in our flesh. We live through the identity of a Snapchat filter, through Instagram, through our online personalities. Does anyone play World of Warcraft in here? No? I'm alone in this? I'm just joking. I do not play World of Warcraft. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> If someone does, I didn't mean to offend you. But we, we have lived uh, in, our, in, our, in our world, in our culture, with the ability to create our identity outside of our flesh, outside of our actual presence. We can live um, in a digital world, free of our bodies, in a sense. It's weird. But we have learned, in that same motion, we don't, don't really have the skills and abilities, I'm speaking of myself here, to be really in a room with somebody someone's flesh and blood sitting across from me and having a true relationship and conversation with them. We've lost that ability. And, and what Paul is saying and what Jesus said by coming, becoming flesh is that there's something about being flesh and blood together in a room. If Christ is in you and Christ is in them, that Jesus is glorified. And Jesus is actually, you're witnessing Jesus in that. Because I know that can get a little confusing. But in all of this, what I'm saying is, you are taking the gospel with you wherever you go. Do you understand that? Are you, are you being a good steward of that? Wherever you go, 
Are you taking the gospel and seeing that you're testifying to who Jesus is with your life? So that's one way we engage in God's mission, face-to-face in the relationships that you have here, or maybe you need to go and be face-to-face with other people across the globe. Another, another way of engaging in God's mission that's represented in this passage is through financial support. Financial support. Right? Paul, what he's actually talking about is this church in Macedonia and Achaia who have given him money to go and support him as he's traveling around to go give it to the poor Christians in Jerusalem. So although the Macedonian church could not go themselves to Jerusalem, they supported financially Paul who was going. Right? So this is a way that you can support missions. It's a, it's a way most of us actually support missions in our church. We give money to people who can go. Now, sometimes we use that as an excuse not to go ourselves, but other times this is an amazing resource where we are able to send people who could not go on their own but have that calling to go. So if, if you feel that maybe you're not in a season of life, probably as a teenager you're not, to go to the mission field, one of the things you can do is financially support someone who does. There are a bunch of missionaries, and about half of their work is usually begging for money. That's what missionaries do. Like, they come, they, they go and they minister, and then they usually come home, and they travel around the U.S. to beg for money, because they always need money. So, one of the ways that we can be involved in God's mission, you guys can be involved in God's mission, is by financially supporting people who go. I think that's a really cool way, or a really cool thing that we actually see in this passage. Third thing, and yes, all of these start with F. It's the Baptist preacher's way. It's called alliteration. It helps your memory, supposedly. I don't know. It actually was a complete accident until I had to decide on an adjective for prayer. And then I was like, well, why not use an F word? Because Not, you know, anyway. <laughs> not that F word. This F word actually means uh, passionate, determined, right? Whether you have a drive to do this. Are, are you fervent? Do you guys ever use the word fervent in your day-to-day life? I'm fervent about doing my homework. No? No? So, the third thing that Paul talks about in engaging in God's mission is being in fervent prayer for the people who are on mission. That's what Paul asked for at the end of the passage. He asked the Christians... The Roman saints there, although they could not go, although they weren't even giving him money, Paul says what you can do is pray. Pray that I wouldn't be stopped by the unbelievers and pray that God will, will sustain me. God will give me a good ministry and that I'll remain in God's will. Listen, uh, you guys are in a season of life right now, right? You have obligations, this thing called school. I don't know. I think this is just the government trying to tell us what to do with our lives. No, I'm just joking. Um, you guys have to be in school, right? So you have some responsibilities. You're in your parents' household, right? You got chores. Does anyone not have chores? Raise your hand. What? What? I'm just kidding. Chores are good for your soul. It's funny. I didn't have chores growing up either. Anyway, but you guys have other responsibilities, right? When you talk about shh, shh, when you talk about engaging in God's mission, for you guys, particularly, you're not thinking about going to a foreign mission field. You're not talking about giving financially, because let's be honest, most of you don't have money, right? 
If, or do you guys have money? Okay, maybe you guys have some money. <laughs> right? But, but here's the point. This, this third point should hit you right in the heart. This third point is something you absolutely can do for missionaries. This is, this is a key way for you at your age to be involved in God's mission, to pray for the people that are spreading the gospel. Yes, you can be a light to the people at your school, absolutely. Yes, if you have money, if you mow lawns or babysit, you know, do it a little more and then give to a nonprofit. Give to uh, a missions organization. Do something like that. That's awesome. But if there's one thing you can change this week, it's this third point. Engage in God's mission and what he's doing in the world by praying. Praying desperately. Praying for the people that are going, for the people that are taking the gospel, who are abandoning comfort, who are abandoning their security, to go and live as, as God has called them to. So if you can do one thing, do this. Pray, pray, and pray.